You are listening to the Grove Church Podcast, where you will find a message that is biblically based, relatable, and easy to understand. For more content or to learn more about the Grove Church, go to grovech.org. Good morning. So you are the incredibly spiritual people today, and um, you guys get bonus points. And and on top of that, I want to let you know that this facility that we're in um, it was built in 1964. Um, it's been, you know, remodeled a few different times and stuff like that. Um, it's also referred to as a no score zone. So not allowed to update anybody on the score if you happen to know it, um, because I'm going to try to watch it this afternoon without knowing anything. So that's my goal and some of our goals in here as we watch the game later. So anyway, um, in case you didn't know, uh, the Seahawks are playing today. They're a football team in Seattle. Some of us like them, stuff like that. So Anyway, hey, we, we jump into a new series today called Eyes Wide Open, and uh, if you've got a Bible with you, I always encourage you to bring a Bible with you, and the reason I say that is because I think it's healthy for you to have it, for you to turn the pages of it, for you to get familiar with it, so it's not just like, oh, have a Bible, it's a spiritual thing to do, it's just healthy, and um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today, so you can go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, you can go on your smartphone, maybe there's a Bible app, or there's a Bible right there in the seat in front of you, and uh, Matthew's about two-thirds of the way through the pages as you turn them if you're not super familiar with it. And Matthew 6 is where we're going to land. Um, I remember years ago, um, I have, in my family, I have what's called an Oma and an Opa. Well, I had, they, they passed away. But uh, for some of you that don't know, that's a grandma and grandpa, just that they were from Germany. And so we called them Oma and Opa. And I had, uh, my Oma was uh, at the Marysville Care Center. I had to visit her. And it was difficult because she was aging and, and didn't always remember things um, incredibly well. Um, like the fact that I grew up in America and I spoke English. And so she'd forget and she'd start speaking to me in German. And he'd be like, no, no, okay. I don't understand a lot of those words. Some of them, yes, not all of them. So I'd have to remind her to speak to me in, uh, in English. But uh, one thing I do remember vividly was that um, she always had bright eyes and a bright smile. In fact, I don't know, there's a graphic right there. Uh, my Oma is the one on the left in the red, and uh, that, that's her sister there, Hilda. Her name was Mitzi, and that's her sister Hilda on the right. And they made matching outfits, polka dot outfits, different colors, so that's adorable. But um, anyways, this picture um, actually was found. She had a, a sewing chest that ended up getting handed down to my family and my, my wife and I, and I just happened to open it a while back, and I was rifling through it looking for needles or something. Thing. And, um, and I came upon that right there. It's actually a button that for some reason they had made back in like 1960, something like 1970, early 70s maybe. I was checking out the hairdos trying to fit. I would say probably mid-70s is probably pretty accurate. But anyway, um, that's my Oma. And she was so incredible. Um, she, uh, when, I, when I was younger, I always have fond memories of her. And when I was younger, uh, she lived in North Everett, and she would take me to Legion Park uh, to play on stuff. And I would ride this little big wheel down there, and she would walk, and, and it was so fun. We loved, as, as kids, we loved going over there and visiting her. Um, but even still, even at the care center, I'd walk into her room, and her countenance would, was always really bright. And, um, and I, I believe, we're going to walk through this in a moment, it really did reveal her soul. She was always super generous. In fact, um, as a kid, I never liked to wear a coat. And so I would go places without a coat on. If I showed up, um, at her house for some reason, and I didn't have a coat, she would immediately open the closet door and try to give me whatever coat was in there. It could have been a girl's coat, guy's coat, old person's coat, young person's coat. She would try to give me a coat every single time if I didn't have a coat on and the weather dictated needing a coat. Um, when we'd visit, for some reason, she would always, and I don't know, this is always fun as a kid, I guess, but she would always like give us money. She would give us a $5. Like, hey, thanks for Almost like she's trying to bribe us to come. She didn't have to, but um, we would go over there and she would do that. She would take us shopping if we stayed the night with her. 
she would always take us the next morning, Saturday morning, she would take us out to Kmart or out to the, you know, the mall or whatever and take us shopping. I get little Hot Wheels or something. Um, and, and when we would wake up in the morning, she would make us what she called hopalies. And probably nobody on the planet knows what these are, but it was basically bagels with unsalted European butter thick like crazy on the top. And, and that, that like creamed, that real creamed honey that you'd take it with a knife and on top like that, just thick like crazy. And we would eat those along with um, hot cocoa with tons of marshmallows and twice the amount of cocoa powder you really needed. Um, and we loved it as kids. And we don't have diabetes, but we loved it as kids. Um, it was, uh, she was always amazing, but she was the kind of person that our whole family always enjoyed being around because she was always full of this generosity and had this spirit about her that was awesome. And, and no question, every time we gather as a family for a birthday or for the holidays or whatever, there's some story that comes up about her that's always like smiles on our faces and our hearts are warm because she was that kind of individual. And my hope is when I say that, that, that all of a sudden in your own mind, you're thinking about maybe for you, there's a family member like that, that you're just like, man, I love being around and they're generous, super kind, stuff like that. Maybe for you, maybe it was a super kind neighbor that kind of took you in or, or um, maybe it was a, a friend and, and you know, friends of the family or whatever. But my hope is that you have that because if you do, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say what I just said. On top of that, um, it, it, it's a joy to remember them and they probably shaped your life more than you could ever imagine because we tend to want to be like those individuals. And as we get into our series <coughs> called Eyes Wide Open, um, we're going to talk about generosity. I want to talk about throughout this series, um, uh, the, this topic, my hope is that we can be inspired. My hope is that we can be encouraged and really reminded about the value of this trait in our lives and answer the question, you know, where does generosity come from? I know the answer maybe for many is clear, but I want to get into that here in a little bit. So Matthew chapter six is where we're going to start. And today I'm only going to tackle verse 22 and 23. We're going to come back next week. And we're going to talk about what's before and what's after these verses. But Matthew six, starting in verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And God, I pray that you would open our eyes. God, help us see very clearly um, what Jesus is trying to convey, that we can wrap our heads around this conversation because I believe it's so important that as we live, God, as we believe, as we stand on, Lord, who you are and what you're about, on top of that, God, look at our code about irrational generosity. We will lead the way with irrational generosity. We believe it's more blessed to give than to receive, that that really as a church body would be our MO in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. And I want you to think about this for a bit. Jesus is saying that our eyes reveal our hearts. He's literally saying our countenance reveals our inner workings. I don't glare with a snarl on my face and say, I love you. Will you marry me? It doesn't make sense. On the opposite end, I don't go, man, I, I hate you. Unless I'm crazy, which maybe I am, but, 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 but people don't do that. It just doesn't work that way. Um, a, a person's demeanor and body language says a lot about what's going on inside their heart. It, it doesn't take a genius to know when someone is hurting emotionally, that they may move a bit slower, that they may be more reserved than normal in group settings. They may cry and you look around and there's nothing for them to cry about in particular, but because of their circumstances that you don't see, they're crying, their eyes, their face looks 
sad on the other side. Um, when someone is angry or frustrated or stressed out, the signals are there. And, and, and we usually pick up pretty well a furrowed brow, eyes kind of squinty or partly open, um, nostrils flared. If they can do that, not everybody can do that. I can do that really good. So there you go. Um, anyways, but um, you know when somebody is, is angry or frustrated or stressed out, you know it's not the time to ask for a favor. It's not the time to make a joke or slap them on the back or, or pull a prank. It's common sense. And if you, for some reason, don't happen to notice, I guarantee other people around you will be there to say, hey, do not go in there. You know, enter at your own risk. You know what? They need some space right now. It would be wise for you just to stay away. Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. It reveals what's going on in our hearts. Then he goes on to say, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. The, the, the word here, healthy, if your eyes are healthy, the word here in the Greek is hapless and, and um, haplos. And, and the definition includes this picture of being healthy, healthy eyes or good eyes, clear eyes, single vision, literally not crossed eyes, but seeing clearly with single vision, free and bountiful, wide open. And another word is generous. If your eyes are generous, wide open, looking for opportunity to be a blessing. Um, here, here's a question. How many of you hate flying? Anyone? There's a few that I always talk about. I hate flying. Um, there's some people you, you hate flying and, 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 and maybe it's the boredom of sitting in line after line and you know, flights being delayed and sitting on airplanes and, and just waiting to get somewhere and it's not super comfy if you don't fly first class or whatever. But have you ever seen a child flying for the first time? If you've ever seen a child, or maybe you've been that child, I remember as a kid going to the airport. I was never going anywhere, but we were always going to pick someone up. And so you drive to the airport, and somebody is getting a little kid for, to the airport for the first time. They're going somewhere. They're looking out the window. They're going, wow, look at those planes taking off. And, and you get to you know where they come in. They, they go to, to check in, and there's a, the, the bag's there. And the kid's like, hey, hey well, hi there. You know, I'm, I'm flying for the first time. Dad, they're, t- they're taking our bags. Where are our bags going? And you get to security, and you're just like, I just want to get through security. These lines suck. It's lame. It's frustrating. And the kid's like, what's happening here? How come we're in these lines? Why are those people taking off their shoes? What's this wand for? How come they asked me to raise my arms and turn around like this? How come they're taking more of my stuff? Am I going to get that stuff back? And then you get through security and you get to the terminal and you, you, you go through there and you take your ticket and you get on the plane. And the kid's like, oh, oh, hi there. Hi, I'm flying for the first time. Wow. There's a lot of people on this airplane. And you're like, okay, I get it. And they go to sit down and they get to their seat and they're looking around the seat and they're opening the stuff and the, you know, the little pocket there and they're looking at the, you know, the sky mall like, oh, can I get some of these? And you're like, no, because it's eight times more expensive there. But anyway, um, they're looking at everything and then the plane starts taking off. Wow, what's that loud noise? Wow, look at how small things are getting. Wow, look at how small that truck is. Look at how small that house is. Wow, look at, look at that mountain way over there. Wow, look at the view. We're going really high, Dad. Look at this, Mom. I can't believe it. You're like, stop! We're just flying! I get it. But think about the difference between you and that kid. If you've ever seen uh, the movie Elf, when I was studying, I was thinking about like, you know, that's kind of the adult version of a, of a little kid, I guess. But, but if you've ever seen it, he, you know, he goes to work with his dad at one point and, um, and the phone rings in his office and he dives across his dad's desk, picks up the phone. Hi, buddy, the elf, what's your favorite color? And his dad's like, stop it! Ooh, Francisco, Francisco. That's fun to say. Deb, you're so pretty, your face should be on a Christmas card. 
The best way to spread Christmas cheer. And some of you that are like, why do people know that? Because we love the movie. But, but, you know, at one point he's smiling. Why are you smiling? Because I like smiling. Smiling's my favorite. And, and I, I think about that, and it's kind of this, this whole picture. Jesus says, if your eyes are clear, if your eyes are generous, if your eyes are full of wonder, your whole body will be full of light. Author and theologian G.K. Chesterton says this, a child kicks his legs rhythmically through excess, not absence of life. Because children have abounding vitality, they are in spirit fierce and free. Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again and again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun in the evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old and our father is younger than we. And I love that quote and I love how profound that is because I think about childlike joy and wonder and the bright face of a kid who's looking around, which by the way, I've learned that one of the best ways to cope with traffic is kind of look around and notice your settings and try to find things you've never noticed before in the same lane you sat in year after year. Where are the trees? What color are the leaves? You know, how is the tree? Looking around you helps you deal with that because there's a sense of wonder instead of frustration at the traffic right in front of you. That's my coping mechanism. Anyway. It goes on, and and, and I want to mention this for a moment. Jesus says, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Now, keep in mind, Jesus is the light of the world. One of the verses I mentioned last week, John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, and then beyond, I'm going to read this. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it or understood it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Just like John the Baptist, who's being described here, it says he came as a witness to the light. You and I are called to shine the light of Christ through our lives so that our lives are witness of the light of Christ towards others. And so you and I are are, are supposed to shine the light, that our countenance, that, that our eyes ought to be clear and bountiful and generous. Everybody say the word generous. Generous. So my question for you today is, are your eyes bright? Do they radiate Christ as a burning lamp in your heart? To the core, is your heart generous? Is it gracious? Is it humble? Is it helpful looking for ways to be a blessing to others? And now he's going to shift gears a little bit and go the opposite route. He starts out, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But then Jesus says... But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. It's the opposite picture. And again, look at the words that define it. And they include the words unclear, dim, literally cross-eyed or double-focused, squinty, and suspect. 
Anybody ever heard of the word curmudgeon before? The definition of the word curmudgeon, crusty, ill-tempered, miserly old man. And some people aren't even old and they're already there. They're the grump. They're the glass half empty person. There's a bitterness there. There's a self-centeredness. They're the kind of individual that makes you want to run and hide. They're the kind of person that, that you want to avoid because they're not fun to be around as opposed to the opposite of that. The individual who's generous. The individual who's bright that when they have that countenance, you want to be around them. Think about the people in your sphere of influence, the people around you that are generous and bright. And think about the people, on the other hand, that are miserly, that, that are that they're curmudgeon. Who do you enjoy? being around there's no question I would say I want to be around the generous person they make me feel better about life they lighten my load they encourage me just to be in their presence as opposed to the opposite but if your eyes are unhealthy your whole body will be full of darkness in the movie Elf if Buddy the Elf is the bright eyed one then Walter Hobbs his dad is the opposite at one point at the climax of the movie, his stress is, is, is so high when Buddy causes his dad to lose a client that literally in the boardroom scene, Walter says to Buddy, you get the heck out of here. Well, where do you want me to go? And, and, and listen to these words. I know it's a movie, but he says, I, I, I don't care where you go. I don't care that you're an elf. I don't care that you're nuts. I don't care that you're my son. Get out of my life now. And yeah, it's a movie. And yeah, it's meant to make a point. But I'm amazed at how you look at the scriptures that Jesus is talking about. And the difference between these two individuals. Buddy the elf who has bright eyes and is generous and just loves people with nothing attached. And Walter Hobbs, his dad, who's got the stress of life and career and income and all this stuff. That all of a sudden, people that really matter to him take a back seat. And again, that's the climax of the movie. It's a perfect picture of Jesus' comment. But if your eyes are unhealthy... Your whole body will be full of darkness. The eyes reveal the heart. And now we're talking the opposite of light, darkness. Self-centered. Covetous, wanting what others have. Greedy. When our vision is unclear or dim, it spills out of a heart that's corrupted. And then our thinking becomes suspect. We go to work and, and, and somebody's brought cookies to the office. And, and instead of being like, oh, cool, somebody brought cookies, your, your thinking becomes more like this. They're just looking to get ahead. Don't they remember last time when they brought cookies and nobody ate them because they were terrible? Oh, they knew I started a diet and, and, and they're just trying to rub it in my face. Those aren't even the kind of cookies I like. How about in the home? How about right where we live? I I live in a world that's kind of inundated with four kids, and and I love it, and it's great. But there's times where it's time to put the kids to bed or the kitchen could use some cleaning or or things are a little messy around the house. And and it's easy for your thoughts to go, you know what? I've had a long day. My spouse can do something around here. And it's just as easy for her on the other end. Well, I put the kids to bed the last two nights. It's the least they could do this time. But where does that end? Where where do we go with that? Do we continue to play the what about me and me and mine and what I want? 
Or would we live better if we live generously thinking about how can I be a blessing? And yes, I'm tired, but who cares? What am I not? Yes, I've worked hard, but that's okay. That's part of life. I can still bless. I can still encourage. I can still carve out time. I can still do things that make my marriage better, that make my family better. I can still do that. Maybe it's just the world I live in. Jesus says, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Listen to this. If you're not living with eyes wide open, with generous eyes looking to figure out who could use encouragement, how to be a blessing, ways to walk in humility, if you're not looking for that, then Jesus says we're living in darkness. And the caution is, Jesus is saying that darkness is much more dangerous than you might ever imagine. It corrupts and it corrodes. And over time, the light doesn't shine like it's supposed to, not even close. Think of the beauty of a river flowing in early summer and fresh water and fish darting around and, and kids playing in pools of water and birds hopping from, from one rock to another and, and everything's amazing and it's the kind of picture that belongs in a, in a calendar for the month of June or July or you know whatever. And, and then I want you to think of that same place but now picture a flash flood and the dangerous and swift current and the water being mucky and, and the destruction, people in harm's way, fish habitats ruined, banks corroded and roads washed out. It's the same place. The danger of darkness is its ability to sweep away virtue and light and Christ's habitat in our lives. Like a flash flood, it corrupts and corrodes. And listen, Jesus' warning is, it's far more dangerous than you think. Darkness. Living for self. Thinking only about what's in it for me and what do I get out of this. Filtering through how you can benefit. I just finished a book called The Power of Habit. And, and there's all kinds of examples of, of, of habit and, and throughout the book. And it's pretty intriguing to read. But one of the things they were talking about was marketing. And how marketing is obviously, we know this, meant to cater to what we want. And they were giving examples of companies and how good they got at marketing. And one example was Target. And how Target, over the last 15 years, has gotten so good at looking at everything that you buy that they can predict what you might want next. And so as they're going through all these algorithms and, and all this stuff that people purchase and, and their lives and, and all this stuff, this data, they began to look at what is the best market. And they realized one of the best markets they could get is the, the, the young family that's having a baby. Because if they can get them there, they'll continue to get them for the rest of their lives. And so they catered to everything they could imagine to try to market to young families. And then they realized there was a gold mine that came even before the family was there. And that was the woman just in pregnancy. And they could figure out, based on buying habits, which trimester the woman was in. I mean, it got eerie. To the point where you're like, that's, that's creepy. And so, as the story continued, as I'm reading this, I'm fascinated by that they're looking at habits and, and, and again, what people buy at certain phases. And, and they realize pregnancy is a gold mine. And so, as they figured all of this out, they started sending mailers out. And, and you think you're getting the mailer that all your neighbors got, but you're not. You're getting mailers based on your tendencies. And not every ad is the same. 
because they know what you buy and they would sprinkle in random stuff along with the stuff that you exactly want. You're like, how did they know? Oh man, that's on sale now? That's amazing. Like, no, it's not. We knew you wanted it. It got so crazy that they started sending out stuff for women that were going to have a baby. At one point, a guy marched into a, a Target store and demanded to speak with the manager. And, and as the manager came up, he said, listen, you sent this to my daughter and I want you to know something. My daughter isn't doing those things and my daughter is still in high school. And here, you can have your congratulations, new babies on the way, mailer, thanks a lot. And walked out. And literally two weeks later, called the store manager, went in, I forget, and said to the manager, I'm sorry, apparently there's some things going on in my home I wasn't aware of. I mean, creepy. At the same time, It's all about catering to what do you want? What is it that you're looking for? This world that we live in tries its hardest to cater to things being all about you. Where in the world that we look at, that Jesus teaches about, it's supposed to be the opposite. What does it look like for you to have eyes wide open, generous? How can I be a blessing? What can I do to make a difference? What does it look like to lay aside my own stuff, my own agenda, my own wants? What does it look like for me to set those aside so that I can help be a blessing to other people? Next week, like I said, we're going to look at the verses before and after this. And as we continue this series, we're going to talk about all kinds of facets of of generosity. But for today... I really just want you to hear the words of Jesus. Live generously. I mean, it came from God. The spirit of generosity, a father who's generous towards us. The The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad or unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you then is darkness, how great is that darkness? It's a caution. Father, today, God, I pray that as we look at our lives, as as we look at the way that we live every day, are we living in a way that's more about us than our spouse? More about us than our kids? More about us than our friendships mean encouragement to others? Am I more about getting my own way than laying down my agenda? Am I generous? Do I look at life through the lens of how to be a blessing? And God, I hope constantly throughout this series, we're all challenged by these things. Because God, none of us have arrived. Father, I pray that your spirit would transform us through this series. God, as we tackle this topic, God, that you'd break down walls, maybe where we are selfish, maybe where we are greedy, maybe where we constantly try to keep up with others, maybe where we compare ourselves. God, I pray you'd break these things in us, that we can have eyes wide open, that we can live generously, because God, I believe it's your desire. And so it's in your name we pray. Amen.